Welcome to the Tin Lounge, where travel advisors Corrine and Teresa read you the travel industry news headlines that are currently unread in your inbox, so you can leave here feeling informed. If you're new around here, TIN stands for Travel Industry News, and on today's full episode, we're going to cover some of the biggest stories from this month. And we're cheating a little because we are recording this in May, but it's going to be published right at the beginning of June, but technically, this is the full May (laughs) episode. Um, I'm Corrine, co-owner of Journey's Travel Company and creator of Travel Biz Boss. And I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention. We've got a lot to cover, but before we get started, we wanted to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to travmarketmedia.com to find some other fantastic travel podcasts. Teresa, I'm so mad. Kareem, explain. Hold times, okay? And <laughs> I had to get on hold with Disney Cruise Line today, and I think everybody knows what that means. And I had more than two hours invested, and I... We were going to record, so I had just taken it off speaker, and I was just going to let it ride while we record, you know. Um, And all of a sudden, I looked over, and I see the call's been disconnected, which means somebody picked up. Of course they did. Of course they did. Of course that's (laughs) when they picked up. If I had been gone to the bathroom, they would have picked up then. Um, So I'm back in the queue, and we'll see how it goes. But I was just answering a question today about what's stressing me out in my business um, for our master's in travel think tank. And I was like, if I have to call someone, if I can do whatever it is online, I'm good to go. But if I have to call someone, my day is shot. It's over. It's totally derailed. Yeah. I feel like today is the perfect day for me to answer those questions for think tank, because there are so many things right now. And I feel like it ebbs and flows There are weeks where I'm just like, everything is so good, like so grateful, so amazing to be in this industry. And then the past couple of days, I'm like, this is terrible. And I feel like it's like a very acute stress period that you have to deal with. And once that's taken care of, then it's like, okay, back to being like more relaxed. But I feel like it's like an ebb and flow kind of thing for me. And I'm at a point where I'm dreaming about my clients on vacation. Like last night, I dreamt I was traveling with the client who had texted me last night and they're currently in Venice. Like I had a dream that I was there with them handling whatever issue they had. And I woke up and I'm like, I can't even have a restful sleep. Like I can't even. And I thought that I was going to have nightmares from watching this newest season of Stranger Things because it is the scariest one in my opinion. I thought I was going to have nightmares about that. Nope. It's just nightmares about things going wrong on my client's vacation. So no big. So I'm in a curmudgeon period right now. So should we call it an ebb and flow or something more like a terrifying roller coaster? <laughs> <laughs> the ebb and flow is more zen. <laughs> more diplomatic. Well, I am still uh, flying on the cloud of coming back from our amazing trip and just feeling super inspired and you know, got a lot of clarity on the trip. So I'm just hanging on to that for as long as I can. But I also haven't had any major meltdown situations. Um, I've had I've had a few and I just want to reiterate and I will be going on Instagram stories today to talk about this specific thing and reiterating the importance of having travel insurance. 
tomorrow start tomorrow june 1st because today's the last day in may tomorrow starts hurricane season and i know pre-covid that was like oh no hurricane season and now it's like oh no they tested positive in destination but getting travel insurance and how this is going to be the first peak travel season since the pandemic started and we still have to test to re-enter the u.s almost everywhere in europe you don't have to mask up when we were in croatia we weren't masking up anywhere and just the numbers of people going over to Europe and traveling anywhere on flights and stuff like that. I think we're going to see more advisors dealing with clients testing positive in destination and having to navigate through that. And I'm seeing a pattern in a lot of the travel advisor Facebook groups about advisors having that issue. I was mentioning to you the CDC brought the number of quarantine days back up to 10 mm. and decided, hey, we're not going to make a big deal out of it. And we're all thinking that it's still five days. But no, guys, it's 10 days. That is recommended now. If you're on the CDC website, go and look that up. But I can see those numbers increasing for this summer season, especially if we need a test to reenter the US. So definitely hitting home the travel insurance thing. Like, Get travel insurance because if you need to pay for extra rooms, if you need to change your flights, whatever it is, it's gonna suck, but it's gonna suck less if you have travel insurance. Well, and I'll tell you another reminder for us as advisors. So uh, one of our team earlier this morning was texting me just ready to jump off a cliff because her clients booked their land package and they booked the air later and she thought she had not added the airfare to the insurance policy. And now they need to make a change to one of the tickets because somebody had a health issue. And she is like, I don't even know if that's something that ENO would cover because insurance is like a really important part of you meeting the requirements for ENO. So I don't know if forgetting to add a component to insurance is covered or not. I'm going to find out. Uh, as it turns out, she had added it. It's just that things have been so bananas that she wasn't even sure what she had <laughs> or hadn't done. She's like, I think April may have been too busy of a month for me. But like on our side, not only do we need to make sure we're hammering home how important insurance is, but we have to make sure that, you know, we are not forgetting to add components if the clients add them later, because with everything that's happening with air right now, it could be awful for that to fall on our heads. Yeah. And the thing with air, it's so tricky because I don't know how travel insurance is handling things like credits versus something that's like non-refundable because some airlines, I mean, I think for most of them, if you cancel, you still have credit or depending on when you booked the flight or something. So how is travel insurance managing that? I don't know. I don't know the details. Um, I don't know anything anymore, Corrine. Like I just have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I certainly make sure to double check, double check every single ding dang thing because I don't trust my previous knowledge anymore. So right. it's y'all get it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hopefully the ebb and flow is going to trend more positively yes. this time. Because today I am not in a good mood. Um <laughs> Well, let's what do you have first up for your articles? 
Um, this is from Travel Age West, and it talks about, um, it asks the question, when is Japan reopening? And I want to know that. I've been wanting to know that for a very, very long time. How because read. every time when, I know, it's like make up your minds. <laughs> every time they make an announcement, it's not really an announcement. It's like one of those things that says, the update is we have no update, like that kind of thing, where they say we're planning on reopening soon with no date. We're going to do this soon. We have plans to do this. Okay, when? When? Um, this article was published on May 26th, and there's a little editor's note at the top that says, after the story's publication, Japan's prime minister announced um, the country will open its borders to international visitors in June, but only for packaged tours. So here are some deets on their decision-making Closed now for two years to international vacationers, Japan appears to be hinting at reopening its borders to foreign tourists this summer. And while speculation has intensified about exactly when, um, some visitor industry stakeholders are not convinced change is coming anytime soon. And I will say with the latest announcement, there is change, but it is so small. And that kind of tracks with how conservative Japan is in making decisions. They don't want to jump the gun. They just want to make sure everything's done well. And so they're more conservative in the way they reopen. These test program groups, there are a certain number of countries they're allowing international tourists to come from, and the U.S. is one of them. And they have to be on organized group trips. It's not like, I want to go. I'm just going to go as a tourist individually. You have to enter with one of these test groups. Um, and that's going to start in June. Um, it says Japan tourism officials said each of the test programs group tours won't be any larger than four industry professionals vaxxed and boosted. Um, the tours will bring a total of 54 internationals to Japan through the end of May for this particular test group and will be used to help develop safety protocols for tour operators and hoteliers in the destination. So in May, they did these small test groups with that number of people just to see how they worked out in terms of any potential spikes in numbers. And so I think it worked out well, which is why in June they decided to have a few more test groups come in. Proceeding with the utmost caution. Yes. So depending on how that goes in June, we can make a decision. Not we. They can make a decision. <laughs> on uh, when they decide to open. But I'm just waiting, waiting for so long. The moment they open, I feel like I'm like, bye, Kareen. I know I said I hit my limit for trips this year, but... Sayonara, baby. Exactly. Sayonara. <laughs> I, uh, I am listening to... It's like a multi-part podcast on the meltdown at Fukushima. Um, there's this mm -hmm. podcast called Against, Against the Odds or Against All Odds or something. And what mm -hmm. is most fascinating to me and always is anytime I read a book about Japan or something set there is the, um, the cultural way that quote unquote business is done and the care and the respect and the, you know, the caution and all of that. Um, you know, although I'm sure we're all anxious to get there, I can't help but respect their dedication to care and safety. Yeah, 100% on that as well. Um, one of the advisors quoted in this article 
Um, he said that if a client phoned him today and asked about traveling to Japan sometime this fall, he'd encourage that individual to wait. And I've been taking the same steps as well. And some people are shocked when I tell them Japan hasn't reopened yet. They're like, what? I'm like, yep. no, they're still closed. So um, I have to tell them let's revisit this once an announcement in terms of reopening date is provided. And even so proceed with caution because if they provide a reopening date and their numbers go up, they're probably going to make some kind of changes. Who knows? They're going to be like, never mind. We're going to restrict this. So it's a TBD situation if there ever was a TBD situation. <laughs> I've got a booking for 2023. I'm, I'm so do I. optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know if, because these clients are, um, I think they initially booked for this summer. We were talking in 2020, I think. And then they rebooked for this summer. And then beginning of the year, things were not looking great. So we rebooked for 2023. And I use Inside Japan and they have one of the most generous and flexible COVID policies of any TO that I've been working with. That's who my booking is with because of you. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I totally lost my train of thought. Jesus. I thought you had frozen. I'm like, dang, internet, work. No, (laughs) you weren't frozen. (laughs) Oh, well. So my first article is from Travel Weekly. It is, with more calls and less staff, tour operator turns to pre-booking deposit. So we've talked quite a bit lately about how tour operators, especially the smaller ones, are handling this insane boom. Some of them are just... shutting down and not accepting new inquiries. Um, But Authentic Vacations is a custom travel tour operator. They just started requiring a $99 refundable deposit of either direct clients or the travel advisor who would like to have an itinerary built. So they said the change was introduced as a way to weed out window shoppers who who don't commit to booking and enable staff to focus on genuine inquiries that convert into sales. Obviously, this is an uncommon move for a tour operator to make because usually they're just welcome, you know, churning out the quotes. We do it as advisors. I think it's probably would be jarring for us, that adjustment, thinking, oh, I can't go to this supplier. But I I mean, you can't blame them. They, they don't. And this is what I have to tell people sometimes. I just cannot give you the time. I just cannot give it away. You know, it's. I don't Mm -hmm. have any to spare. (laughs) It says in the custom tour segment, service fees are uncommon, but with short-staffed tour operator call centers being inundated with near unprecedented volume, leading to long hold times, operators might reconsider the status quo. So Authentic Vacations launched the deposit in December, along with a $49 fee to use its online self-service itinerary builder uh, when Mm -hmm. pandemic-driven staff cuts forced it to re-examine its business. I'm not sure how I would feel about paying a fee to build it myself. <laughs> right. And they're on I'm just portal. thinking about a lot of other TOs who have that, where you can just go in. It's not like you're using anyone's time if you're building it yourself. So I'm curious to see if they give any kind of explanation for that. Well, their CEO, Simon Russell, says... 
Like most custom travel companies, Authentics Vacation staff spent its time pre-pandemic servicing one of two types of customers through its call centers, the lookers and the bookers. Even with the best marketing, high repeat rate, and highly experienced team, the best conversion you'll get is maybe 30%, he said. So that means 70% of your work is wasted and you earn no revenue from it. So because of everything that happened with the pandemic and losing people, he just said, we didn't have anything to lose. (laughs) We had time for our partners to get used to a different way of working before things returned to normal. Um, And he says today the company's booking numbers are quickly recovering to 2019 levels. So he said, in a busy month before COVID, we'd take on an average of a thousand inquiries a month, convert 15 of those and get 150 bookings. With our new model in a similar month, we are now only dealing with 200 inquiries to get the same 150 bookings. Wow. Wow. We're able to take on more genuine inquiries as they're all now genuine and putting together even better trips for our clients. The clients are getting the better end of that for sure. And not just having something churned out with no thought behind it just to get the Mm -hmm. quote out. So they're talking about the skepticism in this article Knowing that soaring demand and the consumer willingness to splurge may not last, combined with the need to recover from the pandemic's economic wounds, has made companies more aware than ever of the value of their workers' time. Still, in response to an inquiry sent by the USTOA and ASTA to its members on Travel Weekly's behalf, several tour companies said collecting upfront deposits for time spent crafting a trip is too risky a business model and one they are not considering. I don't know, after you read that, going from a thousand inquiries to booking 150 to 200 inquiries and booking 150, maybe knowing that would change their mind. I think we can maybe look at this the same way as travel advisors charging fees, because I know the conversation in the beginning when that was brought up, you know, more advisors were saying, no, I would never charge a fee. Like, why would you charge a fee? not a sustainable business model. People are going to go elsewhere to look at where we are now, where more advisors than not are saying they're charging fees and their clients are paying them. So I don't know. I think this is one of those things too, where maybe it's a, it's a start to a different business model for a lot of TOs who are smaller. Also, this says, um, it says refundable. I'm assuming that's not a typo. So perhaps it's just a way, maybe they can get the $99 back if they don't book, but like, it's still a barrier, right? Like Mm -hmm. it just says, I'm serious about this. A lot of people won't part with the 99, even if it is refundable, if they're just kicking tires. Right. So I would like to find out some clarification on that and make sure that's accurate. But, um, if it is refundable and it's working that well for them, I guess that does create some extra admin work and stuff. So maybe it's refundable. Um, maybe it's refundable in the way that it goes towards your deposit. Yeah. Like and a if an go. advisor pays it, maybe it's given back in their commission or something when they get paid. Yeah. That's my, when I do, in some cases, I will do that sort of plan to go deposit and it just gets applied to the final balance. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, it's clear that if they don't book or they cancel later, that part's non-refundable. It's retained for services rendered. Mm-hmm. 
anyway, interesting to watch that and see how it goes. I just thought, um, cause my mind just wandered to going to Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's for a fam, as you know, and I have, I'm still waiting for the itinerary <laughs> for the fam. Oh. Like I'm still waiting on the itinerary. By the way, sent. everybody, by the time you're listening to this, I believe <laughs> Teresa and I will be sitting at a winery in my neck of the woods in Mexico. And I'm so excited. I'm excited for that too. I'm very much looking forward to it, but I think I was thinking about, you know, smaller DMCs and that's who we're traveling with to go to Mexico for this family is a smaller DMC. And then it just reminded me that I don't yet have the itinerary. So I have no idea what I'm bringing in terms of clothes. So layers. maybe just the basics. Yeah. <laughs> layers. I looked at the weather and it, it's like highs of mid eighties to upper eighties and lows in the fifties. So. It's cool in the mornings and at night and it's pretty warm in the afternoons. That's why I say layers. You want like mm. just to be able to throw on an extra layer in the morning or at night. Yeah. That was just a side note that using a smaller TO or DMC just brought up in my head. Cause <laughs> yeah. I, I think personally, if I was working with a DMC that I really loved and they started implementing this, I'd be happy to give them $99 to work on a trip because I charge my clients a fee. Yep. And so you know, in some cases I tell the DMC, I've already collected this fee from them. So they are serious about booking. So that way they know I'm not just yeah. sending them someone who's not serious. But if there was a DMC I love working with or a TO I love working with, and they're like, we're implementing this. I'm like, okay, here's my money. Let me tell you how I, how quickly I would pay a hundred dollars not to sit on hold for hours, not to wait a week for an email return. So if a DMC oh, yes. that you love working with, and you were going to pass on a hundred of your fee to them mm-hmm. to, so that they could give you the attention that you need, worth it, in my opinion. Absolutely worth it. Okay. They'd be calling you, not you call them. Like, We'll call you to, to yeah. answer whatever question. Just email yeah. us and we'll schedule a call. That kind yeah. of thing. It's kind of like uh, when doctors go to the concierge model, you know, but you just get so much more time with them when they cut back on their mm-hmm. clientele. And oh, yeah. in this case, they'd be cutting back on what was probably a waste of time anyway. So, Right, right. My next article is also with uh, Travel Age West, and this is from Ken Shapiro. Hello, Ken. I know you're listening. Um, this is an editorial that that's titled Beware the Expectations of Luxury Travel Clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, he writes, in our latest issue, we focus on all things luxury travel. And as you can read in the cover story, there is no hotter market for travel advisors today. With eager clients Booking vacations and droves, budgets have largely been thrown to the wind. And after two years stuck at home, people want to splurge on dream trips like never before. And he talks about a challenge that we've talked about before on this podcast. Things are so expensive and you're not getting anything better. It's just overall things are expensive and you have suppliers with staff shortages you have supply chain hiccups. And if you're trying to deliver a really luxury experience for these clients who are paying tens of thousands of dollars, it can be very challenging to be able to do that in today's travel environment. He writes, at a recent lunch with the general manager of a luxury property in the Northeast, 
Uh, he told me his hotel is still frantically training hundreds of employees before the summer crush. I suggested that his clientele might be more forgiving because they are aware of the challenges businesses are facing. And the GM said, that's not happening. The yeah. expectation is that we deliver just like we've always done. No excuses. He went on to say that he understands and even appreciates how demanding his customers can be. After all, they are paying a lot for a dream vacation and they deserve to get what they pay for. This dilemma is one that many advisors face as well. Some clients are more demanding than ever, just at a time when agents need them to be more understanding. Mm -hmm. But like the hotel GM said, it would be a mistake to think that luxury clients are going to be forgiving when things go wrong. It may not be fair, but meeting customer expectations is still the marker for successful trip planning. And he ends it with saying that often the best an advisor can do is be fully transparent with customers and let them know what is and is not possible so they can adjust their vision to current realities. If that means losing their business, you are probably better off in the long run. As always, it's important to underpromise and overdeliver whenever possible. And hopefully you'll get those clients coming back next time. Absolutely. Well, I hear even from travel advisors saying there's no excuse anymore. It's not COVID. It is. It is it is the domino effect from the mm -hmm. pandemic. It is supply chain issues. It is staffing issues. It is all of these things. And, and you know, like he said, the best thing we can do is set the expectations for our clients. Mm -hmm. And if for some reason they're like, well, I'm going to book somewhere else. Well, fine. Someone can tell you lies, you know. Like, yeah, but I'm not going to tell you something that's not true and then get screamed at for it later, you know? Yeah. And I completely feel for clients who are spending so much money going someplace and having, for example, if they had a tour with X, Y, and Z included on their itinerary, but because of some weird like COVID res restriction, they can't do a particular thing on their itinerary that they were told they were going to get. If you tell them like, Hey, you know, this is what happens. You, we, you want them to be understanding, but the reality is they want what they paid for. Right. And even though it's not any of our faults, I feel like part of the, um, part of the exhausting things that we do as advisors is dealing with their reaction and like taking on whatever reaction they have, if it's them being upset, you know, and it's just like, yeah, I understand, but there's really nothing that we can do right. to change the situation. But like we've said a million bajillion times, if you get in front of it, people are so mm -hmm. much more understanding if they've been prepared it's when it's a shock that people get really indignant. So anything you can do to just give them the lay of the land is so, so helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, choosing the words carefully, like you don't want to say things are terrible right now. Uh, let me take your credit card and pay for this trip. It's like things can happen that are not expected. So just expect that you're going to have to deal with something. Something. If nothing happens, everything's smooth. Great. You are great. one lucky duck. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, my next article is from Travel Pulse and it's along the same vein. Um, now cruise lines are struggling with staff shortages. I mentioned something about this today. I will in excess baggage, but I noticed some buzz on the Facebook pages that 
people are just getting bumped off of some Norwegian Hawaiian cruises because they've had to cap capacity um, because they can't get enough crew on board. So it's like randomly chosen. And I saw this poor advisor, her honeymoon couple got bumped. So they're devastated. It's just awful. I think I saw another advisor say there were two cabins together like two, um, two reservations, there were separate reservations, but they were traveling together and one was bumped off and one still had their reservation. Oh, geez. How awful, how awful is that? Mm. Well, uh, the article quotes a story from Business Insider. It says cruise lines are having difficulties keeping up with new hires. As a result, they've been forced to limit capacity on ships, close onboard restaurants, and even just cancel some sailings. Um, and then it talks actually about the exact issue I just brought up. Norwegian cruise lines has limited the occupancy on its pride of American ship, America ship, uh, in part because of staffing issues. The pride of America normally has 930 to 940 staff members on board. It has 550 now. And of course, pride of America is flagged in the U S so their entire crew has to be U S based. And that's could be part of it. Um, also Holland America is also facing this issue and Michael Smith, senior vice president of guest experience said like the whole of the cruise industry, they're suffering with getting staff onto ships for a variety of reasons. There's a lot of demand to work on ships, but there are also little things called visas like Schengen visas and us visas to work on the ships in us waters. There are certain countries where appointments to get those visas can be as long as six months out. So we may have staff that want to join the ship, but we can't get the visas for them to join the ship. We do have some shortages, but we're fortunate we're being able to move staff from one ship to another ship to fill those gaps. Most of our shortages are in the galley operations, but we're moving staff within departments, not necessarily to go and cook, but maybe to serve in Lido Market or do other cleaning jobs in different parts of the ship. It just depends. So this is what I was just saying, the domino effect of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So right. I know like for my residency here in Mexico, my appointment to renew is a month after my uh, residency permit expires. And there's a grace mm-hmm. period, so it's fine. But everywhere, it's just a nightmare to get this type of paperwork done. Uh, Cunard has also cut capacity on its Queen Elizabeth and Queen Victoria ships. And Carnival has temporarily closed two restaurants on every ship to help combat the staffing issues. So um, our rapid restart has required us to bring back thousands of crew members in a very short time, which has increased the number of resources needed for government officials to process the large number of visa applications and slowed down our ability to fully staff some of our functions, including our culinary team, a Carnival spokesperson told Insider in a statement. So... It's another thing that we could easily be fully transparent with um, clients about. There's issues mm-hmm. for them getting visas for their crew members. They're short-staffed. It's not right. like a laziness issue. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. that they don't care about your, your experience. They're doing the best they can. That's a line that I use a lot is everyone is doing the best they can, I promise. Mm-hmm. So that's another fun thing. <laughs> Congrats, you've booked your cruise, but there's still a possibility of it getting canceled. 
Well, I think a lot of people will actually be happy if the capacity on the ship is lower because everyone, um, pretty much all the clients I've had who sailed when capacities were lower were thrilled about it. So if that's the way they mm-hmm. handle it, that's one thing. But on the flip side, if they decide to just reduce the level of service and cram the ships full, then that that does fall on the head of the right cruise line. So mm-hmm. that they also need to make up a lot of revenue. So it's just a it's no fun. There's no fun solution. Do we want to get into some excess baggage? Oh sure. All right. It's time for Excess Baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Market Report, the European Union will drop its mask mandate for travel next week, while the agency said that wearing a mask is still one of the best protections against the transmission of COVID-19, it will no longer push for the practice to be a requirement during travel. Another one from them says that the Viking Octantis kicked off the line's inaugural sailing in the Great Lakes region with the completion of a round-trip sailing through the Welland Canal, which connects Lake Ontario and Lake Erie. Designed specifically to be able to reach the Great Lakes, the 378-passenger Viking Octantis is the largest passenger vessel ever to transit the canal. Travel Weekly reports that travel advisors looking for space on Norwegian cruise lines, Hawaii-based Pride of America this year, will need to act fast. The cruise line said space on the ship is sold out through October. Our issue with Hawaii isn't with demand. Our issue is with crew. An announcement from Travel Age West said that Travel Age West is officially accepting travel advisor applications for this year's Future Leaders in Travel Retreat. The travel industry event will take place at Hyatt Ziva Los Cabos in Los Cabos, Mexico from August 28th through 31st, 2022. Future Leaders is a fresh event for the next generation of travel professionals dedicated to connecting travel buyers and sellers between the ages of 22 and 37. Another one from Travel Age West tells us that the new uh, that new Azamara software will assist travel agent sales. A new partnership between Azamara and Versonic Seaware hopes to simplify the sales process for travel agents when it launches in 2023. The software company's integrated platform works with cruise lines to maximize efficiency via sales, marketing, and other revenue yield management. Travel Agent Central reports that Turks and Caicos is seeing a major increase in visitor arrivals. According to Travel Pulse, the $17 billion cannabis and tourism industry will only continue growing. They also report that the Biden administration is seeking to expand authorized travel to Cuba. And our high note today is also from Travel Pulse, Frontiers launching nonstop flights to Cancun from Houston starting at $99. And that's it for excess baggage. Just a reminder that all the articles we referenced today can be found in the show notes. And when I saw the announcement about future leaders in travel, I was so excited because I'm like, oh, this is such a um, amazing event. And I remember the first time I was at Future Leaders, they were still in Aspen, and I was just blown away by how different the attendees are in terms of like fresh ideas and meeting people who ran businesses differently, like different business models. So I felt that it was an incredible addition to my uh, business development mm-hmm. journey. So I had the pleasure of filling in for someone last year and doing a session. And I met so many, so many incredible young, fresh 
advisors. I loved it. Yep. It'll be in Cabo this year. So even more fun. (laughs) Um, My next article is from Travel Pulse and it's titled Mexico tourism executives share what they learned through the pandemic. Tourism in Mexico and Latin America suffered a temporary standstill as a result of COVID-19. Um, This temporary paralysis not only hit Caribbean economies and employment hard, but also many local communities in the Latin American region. So in this article, they interviewed a lot of different people from uh, tourism officials, hotel execs, just to see, you know, what did you learn throughout this time? Because we're always going to have challenges. We can recover by figuring out what we can learn from this and move forward. So Gonzalo Del Peon President Group, AM Resorts, Americas, and Global Commercials said, there are great learnings. We had a crisis in terms of personnel. Here, there was no support or subsidy to maintain vacancies. So we had to force ourselves to reopen hotels very soon and pay the payroll. The crisis that we have today is a lack of personnel. We are hiring in the Riviera Maya and we do not find enough personnel. And this generates that more salary must be offered. There's definitely not a situation of operating with less staff We continue to hire we learn to do more with less, not in the hotel, but in administrative areas where we created synergies. We learn to do more with fewer people. Mm-hmm. So they're dedicating more of their personnel to hotels versus in their admin side. So I bet their job descriptions doubled yeah. in the office um, because of this. Um, an impact scenario shows the slump in tourism may cause total GDP growth in the Caribbean and Latin America to fall by 8% points and 1% points, respectively, while total employment could potentially decline by 7%. Am I saying 7% points? points, 7 percentage points in the Caribbean and 1% point in Latin America. Um, Another... um, Another gentleman, Ricardo Orozco Arce, vice president of operations at Hotelis Solmar and Resorts Los Cabos says, we must always have our feet on the ground and we must be attentive to our needs and those of the family and of our collaborators and clients and develop greater empathy with them. So he's basically saying we need to be more concerned for our community and protect it because this is where we live and where all our staff members live. We need to be more efficient and respect nature. Um, interestingly, he says this was a shake and a yank on the year on the ears for everyone to put a stop to predation and become more aware of where we live. A shake and a yank on the on the ears. You can't say that on on the ears. Yanked on the ears. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, it's important not to tire the staff with excessive shifts and overwork and to avoid burnout. So something that he's learned to decrease staff turnovers. Um, a lot of other folks are saying, you know, be more present if, instead of working from home or in an office, actually go to the resort, go to the hotel and see what's needed um, and adapt to new needs. So I picked this one because I'm going to Mexico soon. So I'm mm-hmm. like, let me see what lessons they learned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, of all of the countries in this area, Mexico probably fared the best, I would, mm-hmm. judging by the travel, but it's good that they are adapting. Well, my last article, I'm just annoyed by, but I figure it's good for us to know this in case our clients ask. 
This is an article from Travel Market Report called The CDC Issues a Travel Warning for Monkeypox. Another viral disease is making headlines this week, and while it is not impacting travel, authorities in the U.S. have issued a new travel warning in light of its spread. Monkeypox, according to the CDC, is a disease with symptoms similar to but milder than smallpox. So far, dozens of cases have been confirmed in Europe. At least two have been confirmed in the U.S. and another two in Canada. The main symptoms are fever, headache, muscle aches, backache, chills, and exhaustion, along with a rash that often begins on the face and then spreads to other part of the body within one to three days or sometimes longer. The, di- the disease also causes swollen lymph nodes, the main difference between it and smallpox. According to the CDC, the illness typically lasts for two to four weeks and can be fatal in as many as 1 to 11% of people who become infected. It's been around for decades and appears outside of Central or West Africa, where it usually occurs in small numbers each year. None of the new cases has been linked to travel to those areas, which spurred this week's travel notice. So that's good stats for us to know. Um, Does it say how it's spread? I'm just kidding. Getting to okay, because I'm like, give me the important information. <laughs> <laughs> the World Health Organization said this week that while a lot of the spread, especially in Europe, seems to have come from sexual intercourse, the disease is spread through close contact with people and the virus, with the virus entering the body through broken skin, eyes, nose, or mouth. So, as far as the travel warning, uh, in light of the spread, however small, the CDC issued a travel warning for monkeypox. The travel warning is level two practice enhanced precautions. They are not telling travelers to avoid travel to the 16 countries that have cases because of the spread. Instead, it's recommending that travelers exercise caution and be aware of the symptoms. And if you go to the link in the notes, there's uh, this article has a link up to all the countries that have cases. The warning advises travelers to avoid close contact with sick people, including those with skin lesions or genital lesions, and also to avoid contra- contact with dead or live animals, such as small mammals, including rodents and non-human primates. It's also recommending washing hands with soap and water, keeping your hands away from your eyes, nose, and mouth, and avoiding close contact with people who are sick. So even with this warning, it is important to remember, especially in light of COVID-19, that the risk to the general public with monkeypox is low. Travelers should seek medical care immediately if you develop new unexplained skin rash or lesions on any part of the body with or without fever and chills. You know somebody is going to ask you about it, so it's good to just be prepared to answer the question. I wonder if this podcast will kill you has done an episode on monkeypox because oh we need to put a if so a I will be in. listening to <laughs> it. I learned so much from that about diseases. So oh, um, it's nuts, yeah. At least it's not as contagious as smallpox because if there was a smallpox uh, outbreak, yeah, outbreak it is that is a shut the world down kind of thing. But you know, just the name monkeypox, just right now, right now in this climate, to see oh, be careful about monkeypox. It just is so on <laughs> brand with the state of the world right now. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Like on a scale of how bad things are, like I feel like monkeypox is towards the bottom for me right. right now. One of the murder hornets coming back. Like what is yeah. happening? <laughs> yeah, what's what's going on here? 
Um, can we just settle down for a little bit? Like, can we just have a month of no ebbing and flowing and just staying at like a low stress level? That would be very nice. It would be fabulous. Do you want to tell me about what des- destination is on your mind? I mean, I've said it a few times already, but Mexico is on my mind. <laughs> and I am very much looking forward to this because it's not a beach Mexico vibe at all. It's not like Cancun or Cabo. This is going to be central Mexico. So the fam itself will go to Mexico City and San Miguel de Allende. And of course, I'm spending a f- one full day. <laughs> yeah. Three nights, Korea but only one full day. <laughs> yeah, two nights, oh, two one nights, full day. Right. Yeah, I'm like, how does that work? No, yeah. uh, two nights, one full day in Querétaro. So I am so excited for that. I'm just hoping all the potential client issues die down. And I feel like they will. I'm just like high strung right now. Yeah from it, but I think it's going to be good. I had to tell one of my clients, I'm like, she's texting me to make additions and changes while she's there in destination. And I'm like, do not hesitate to reach out to the in destination phone number or email address. The they will get to actually you help more you. quickly. Yeah. Because you know who I'm reaching out to when you reach out to me with that stuff, I'm reaching out to those numbers that I gave to you. So mm-hmm. they're in the same time zone as you are. They can service you way more quickly than I can. And I don't want to hear from you on your trip unless there's like a crazy thing happen. Like you have an in-destination number for a reason. They are there in Italy for you. So. You know what? The way that you just worded that, I'm going to be, I'm about to, I need hope I remember after this to go and tweak an email template. I like the idea of, because we don't want our clients to think that what we're saying is, I don't care. We don't I'm done help with you. you. Yeah. I don't want to help. Yeah. The point is we're trying to get them helped more efficiently. And I think mentioning right. the time zone difference is really yeah. a great thing to bring to their attention because they just might not be mm-hmm. really thinking about that because of the time difference. Right. You know, we want to make sure you're taken care yeah. of quickly. Yeah. Cause your text is coming into my phone at 3 AM Eastern and I'm not seeing it until like 6 45, 7 AM. And if something is very time sensitive, you want to be assisted immediately. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not going to hear a ding from my text while I'm sleeping. No. So no. Well, destinations on your mind. España. Uh, So next, well, no, it's not quite next month. At the end of July, Teresa and I will be seeing each other once again on an Azamara cruise in uh, doing an intensive France voyage. But prior to that, uh, I'm spending nine nights in Spain, three nights in Madrid, three nights in Valencia, and three nights in Barcelona. And I'm kind of getting into the nitty gritty of figuring out what we're exactly we're going to do. And our, uh, our Mexico besties, who you'll meet when you come on Thursday, are coming with us to Spain. And then I'm setting them off to uh, Amsterdam when we get on the cruise. But one of them is having a birthday while we're there. So I'm trying to, you know, just come up with some special things. And Aww. Kate Sullivan from Anthology Travel lived in Madrid for a while. So she gave me some really good um, oh, nice. suggestions. I'm really excited. I love Spain and um, Tracy's never been, so I'm excited to show her some things, but I've never spent time in Madrid. I flew in and then left immediately to Avila 
So that will be new for me. And then um, I have done Barcelona and Valencia, but I love them. So I'm happy to do them again. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I will only have one night in Barcelona before the cruise. So whatever I can fit in in that time frame. Yeah. Barcelona. Maybe we'll have to meet for rooftop dinner and drinks or something that night before we go. Absolutely. I'm totally Gio down. Gio misses us after all. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> something was missing. <laughs> so uh, what is something you're loving right now? I am loving uh, staycations, not for my clients, but for myself. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this because so many people ask me, or mentioned to me, oh my gosh, it's like, you're always on vacation. You're always traveling. And I'm just like, I am not on vacation when I'm traveling. I yeah. don't even remember the last time I took a vacation. And I feel like if I ever need a quote unquote vacation, I'm staying at home. I'm not going anywhere because if I go somewhere, I have the pressure of, oh, what can I use this for in my business? How can I market this? How can I create content? All this stuff. And I recently went to visit my sister up in Jacksonville and it was so nice to not like go anywhere. I mean, Jacksonville's still in Florida. It is somewhere different than Tampa, but it's like somewhere where you don't have the pressure of needing to do a lot of things and you yeah. can just, you know, I worked, I worked of course, but it wasn't like stressful work. It was just leisurely get the laptop out, you know, I could do some reading, you know, all that fun stuff, mm -hmm. but I'm staying put. I'm not going through the constantly going to thinking the about how can and, I market this? What mm -hmm. do I need to get pictures of for my clients? Right. I mean, I don't know if Jacksonville is a big draw for you, but <laughs> it is not a big draw for me <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> it's so funny because um, one of the advisors, I think she's also with TPI, but her name is Rolanda, and you might know Rolanda. Mm -hmm. She puts together some football game packages because she's a huge Ravens fan. She, I think she does um, security on the side for the Ravens when it's their season because she loves them That's so serious. much. Yeah, she's very serious. So um, she'll put together football packages with the Ravens. And um, if they're in, during, doing a, an away game, she'll put packages together for people to join her. And she likes to add in really fun, immersive things to do in the city, whether that is um, like a boat tour or something unique in that city. So apparently I think there's a Ravens game in Jacksonville where they play the Jags. And she had posted screenshots of her conversation. I don't know if he is the hotel manager or the sales manager of a place. And he's like, Hey, let me know if you need some help with putting this together. And she's like, you know, this is the nature of my trips include activities that are immersive and fun, but I'm struggling to find things to do in Jacksonville. <laughs> Ouch. And that is very true. So sorry, anyone who lives up in Jacksonville, but if you do live in Jacksonville, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> How about a day trip to St. Augustine? <laughs> yeah, that'll be the best bet. <laughs> they do have the river. I haven't, I haven't really spent, I mean, I've been up to Jack's Beach to visit friends, but um, yeah, I don't know. Did you know that Jacksonville is the largest city in the United States on area? I did not know that. It is. 
I learned it in fourth grade when we learned about the state of Florida. And Mm -hmm. I can tell you it's true because I was on the road driving up there. I saw a sign that says entering Duval County, Jacksonville city limits. And I was still an hour away from where my sister lived. So it is a very large city. (laughs) What's something you're loving? Um, Canva. I mean, I feel like this Uh, may have been on our list before. Of course. I have needed a little bit of a creative break. So I I let myself have like a little bit of time to just dive into freshening a few things up. Uh, I'm not like doing any major rebranding or anything, but I'm just, I have to build a new Travel Biz Boss website. So I'm just freshening some stuff, some graphics. And then um, the Journeys website also needed a little something. So um, anyway, I I just, it's like, I lose time. I just get in there and it's one of those things that I'm just so into it that time just disappears. And I love activities like that. And I can't, wouldn't want to spend every day doing that. But when I just let myself dive in, Mm -hmm. just switch out the colors and fonts or whatever, and just go crazy, super fun. Um, And I just love everything that you can do with it without being a graphic artist. There's so many possibilities. Yes. And the Canva Pro is so worth it. Mm -hmm. It is so worth it to get Canva Pro. Absolutely. Yep. That's what I'm loving. (laughs) Not that exciting, but... It is very exciting. Um, on my way up to Jacksonville, there I it, I take like the countryish roads for part of it. Like I'm on the interstate for a good part, and then I it turns into like either a state road or a county road or something. I don't really know what that is, but you pass through all these really cute towns in the middle of Florida, mm-hmm. and there's one town called Citra. It's mm-hmm. C I T R A, and they have the orange shop there where they have like orange products and orange juice, grapefruit juice, like all this stuff. When I passed by it this time, I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll stop in, grab an orange juice or something pass by the shop and you can't miss it. There are at least five or six billboards telling you like 26 miles away. And then this number of miles away, six blocks away. So I'm nearing the orange shop. And as I pass, I get almost to it. There's a huge sign in the front that says closed for the season. And I'm like, oh, darn. And then I'm like, I need that sign like for myself. Like I am closed for the summer season. It is so crazy right now with people traveling and all these things coming up. I am closed for the season. <laughs> a you- big sign. <laughs> I used to go to Citra. They had a farm there that we could get meat that was like humanely raised. And I would go up there and just bring a cooler and buy like $300 worth of meat at the time or at a time. We drove up from Orlando to Citra to Mm -hmm. buy meat. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I was very dedicated to humanely raised meat. Thanks for sticking with us until the end. We hope this episode has been informative and entertaining, hopefully. (laughs) All the articles we referenced today can be found in the show notes. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to go and delete those travel news emails I've been hoarding for the past month. Oh, yeah. I just delete them as soon as they come in now because I know I'm going to do a deep dive into the news every week. So. Oh, yeah. I'm, who, where was I when someone was asking me, so do you just read the travel news all the time? And I'm like, pretty much. And they're like, where'd you get the news? And I'm like, well, I follow all the news outlets on on social and those things will pop up. But also... Excess baggage, anybody? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, if you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. Oh, before we go, I want to say thank you guys so much for all your comments on our post about our two years. I can't believe we haven't said anything until this point. We're just so modest and humble about this, Corrine. Um, (laughs) Just seeing all your responses and all the interactions and all your kind words, it really, it it makes my day. Like, Absolutely. It just just reminds me, I'm like, okay, we want to connect and we are connecting. and, And if you can find any kind of joy from this podcast itself that means the world to us um and i actually people have been leaving reviews on our podcast if they're listening through like tinlounge.com uh-huh people are leaving reviews and i don't know if you had a chance to look at them but oh my gosh you guys are the sweetest love the it. sweetest oh i love it i love all it all we ever wanted was to give everyone a place where they could just get updated without being in front of a screen all the time and feel Mm -hmm. seen and heard. And based on the comments that we've gotten, it feels like we are accomplishing that goal. But if there's something you would like to see or something different, constructive feedback is always welcomed. We will consider it. No Mm -hmm. promises, but we will consider. (laughs) Exactly. Just want to be a bright spot (laughs) in your week if we can, but also be useful to you. Yes. If you have any questions or comments or just want to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at thetinlounge.com. Thanks again for joining us in the Tin Lounge, where you can learn a lot in a short amount of time. See you next week.